0: to another hope-filled message from life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Would you do me a favor? Look at the person in the eyes either side of you, and with all sincerity, tell them you are Australia's next top model. Would you do that right now? Come on. You are Australia's next top model. I I promise. (laughs) Beautiful. And uh, once you've done that, why don't you grab your seats? And we're going, to have some, we're going to have some fun tonight. Yeah, cool. Hey, I'm, okay, I'll get a hold of that. I'll talk about it at the end. Hey, um, well, and just also, can we, uh, I know Pastor Nadia is not here, and, uh, and Craig is a shell of a man at the moment um, due to that fact, but can we, can we really honor your pastors? Do you love your pastors? How good are these guys? These guys are the best. And um, I actually have a friend of mine uh, who has come to hang out with me tonight. This is James Rose. Affectionately known as James Axel Rose. Come on, anyone? Okay, some people know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so can we with this guy welcome? This guy's a legend. We love him. Been a good friend for a long time. And uh, what? Well, hey, um, for those of you who who are new, uh, never never actually been into an environment like this before. Uh, I just want to say, hey, you're so welcome here. And, and as I have said often in our own in our own church, but also I said this this morning. But ha, ha, our job here is not to force you to believe something. Like I want to hear to go, man. We're going to force you to no, no, like what each and every one of us in this place would call ourselves believers or or, or Jesus followers have actually experienced something that's far more than just religious activity um, or just attending a service. No, we've actually come to know God in a real beautiful personal way. And I hope is that not not that you would just get more information about God tonight, like as much as you will, because we'll talk about him, but um, I actually hope that you actually come to experience God. Because God's not just a God who wants to be known about. Uh, he's a God who wants to be known personally. And so I, I, don't, I don't know where you're at on your faith journey. And, and maybe this is totally new to you. Um, hey, just, just enjoy and, and relax. And we're, we're going to have some fun tonight. And, and, right. and I, here's what I want you to do as well. If you call yourself a Jesus follow-up, as Pastor Craig mentioned, hey, the 5 p.m. service, you guys should be the loudest, most vibrant because you've, you've had at least three caffeinated drinks today. If, you, if, if you're a real Christian, come on, okay, um, and, and you, you've had maybe a little nap, you've enjoyed this, and now you're rocking up to the five, and you're ready to go, yeah, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need to get some free coffees in here, man, okay, anyway, so, um, but uh, hey, I bring greetings from my church in Cronulla, the magical place of Cronullifornia, as we call it, and, uh, and I have my beautiful wife back there, she sends her greetings, my wife of 15 years, Hello. how cool is that, yeah, 15 years, we celebrate 16 this year. And uh, we're happily married, or who I am, and. Um... <laughs> And so yeah, I hope the feelings mutual. Um, but also, we have three beautiful children as well. And uh, I think I think we actually have a picture of my kids for this service. We didn't have it this morning, but I'm going to chuck a picture of my kids up on the screen. Here's my kids. Look at this. I know, right? So cute. And so my eldest, my boy Bailey, and uh, and my twin girls. Okay, that that's them on their first day of school, which was last week. So my kids are now in school, which is like, oh my gosh, this is a like all the parents out there who have kids. Come on, can you can you just 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 feel my pain right now. Like this is a big step. Number one, I'm realizing that I'm getting old. (laughs) I don't know why you laugh. Anyway, so... um but secondly, like my, my kids ran off to school on the first day and I thought it was going to play out a lot differently. I thought they were going to be like, no, don't leave us, Daddy, don't leave. No, no, they just turned and went, okay, see ya, bye, and just walked off. I'm like, oh, please, just a little tear, anything, anything. Come on, to show that you might miss me. No, no, little independent brats. Anyway, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I love my kids. So, um, but uh, I don't have a picture of my wife because just, she just doesn't, she's one of those people. Yeah, come on, is there any women out here, it's like no photos of good enough? Is that you? No? My wife's a bit like that, don't you dare put that photo up. I'm like, babe, I'll put something else, you know, like a picture. Anyway, so um, we're going to jump into the Word of God tonight. So I hope you're ready for it. You ready for it? Awesome. Well, uh, this morning I preached on something that I really felt uh, to encourage the church in. As you step into a, a, a theme of overcoming... Uh, I, I think this morning's message was really about helping our perspective be in the right place so that we can overcome the things that do come our way. And so if you weren't here for that, uh, like Pastor Craig said, hey, get a hold of the message, uh, podcast it or, or get a hold of that. I hope that'll help you. Um, but tonight I really want to share something that's, that's super close to my heart. And, and this, um, I'm, this is kind of like part two. Last time I was here, which was about two years ago, uh, and it's so good to be off probation, by the way, Anyway, I'm playing. I bet too, last time I was here, I I preached a message called A Strictly Inclusive Church. A Strictly Inclusive Church. And uh, this is like part two of that message because I I believe there's a lot of people here and, and, and you agree with the fact that God, man, He so loves the world. Okay, th- three people agree with that. But just for everyone else, come on. How many people know that God really loves the world? Like He, he does. And that's what the Bible says. Reg- regardless of the state of the world, he, he still loved it. Even before the world even thought to reciprocate that love, He loved us first. And so this radical, inclusive love is something not only we should enjoy, but it's something we should share. Would you agree with that? Okay, so, so it's at this point, I want to jump into part two because I believe if this is a year of overcoming... Um, then there is going to be some, some things you're going to have to overcome when it comes to uh, how we embrace the world around us. Like it's not going to be as easy a, as we think. And so it's a, at this point, we jump to scripture. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3, oh sorry, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. Um, let me just paint the picture here. So basically, we know roughly about 2,000 odd years ago, this, this guy shows up on the scene and he doesn't claim to be any person, he claims actually to be the Son of God. Pretty big claim, would you agree? Okay, so this is a big claim, and he backs it up not only by what he says, but the way he lives his life. Like, he is a phenomenal teacher, preaching stuff that is just blowing people's minds, left, right, and center. And how many people know that Jesus' teaching is pretty radical, right? But how many people know we, we we don't follow Jesus just because of his teaching? Like we adhere to it, we live by it, but that's not the only reason why we follow him. Now, now he, he, he actually lives this amazing life. He has this three years of ministry telling, helping, healing people. And, and then from there, he, he, he gets crucified. And, and the Bible actually says that when he got crucified, he actually had all uh, the weight of sin upon him. So in other words, he wasn't just dealing with the sin of the people of that time. He was dealing with the sin of humanity, like for all time. And how many people know that... Um, that's a pretty radical moment, right? He dies on this cross. Um, but how many people know we don't follow Jesus just because he died on a cross? Because I, I, I don't want to spoil the, this here tonight, but, but how many people know more than one person has died on a cross? Like many people have been crucified on crosses before. So it wasn't just the cross itself and not just the fact that sin came upon him and he took it on our behalf. But what's even more radical is that three days later, he rose again. Like this is, and let, let me tell you something right now. I don't know where you're at in your faith journey, but if that is true, which I believe it is, then man, it changes everything. Changes everything. Because not only does he say, hey, I'm, I, I mean, I'm actually the son of God. He proves it by conquering the one thing that nobody throughout history, not even any other religion in the world has claimed. He has conquered death itself. Yeah. Like, that's pretty radical, right? So, so from there, we, we see that this story starts to unravel where these guys, these 12 guys get, you know, who had followed him, and now with about 120 people in an upper room, kind of like this. Pretty cool. And, 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 they, and they're praying together because he says, look, I'm going to go. Someone else is going to come. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit, which is, which is beautiful because Jesus in flesh could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit could be every place at every time. So he said, I've got to go so he can come, so he can be everywhere with you, like, that's pretty cool too, right? So, so that takes place. And then um, 120 people on that, this day of Pentecost, they called it. Uh, one guy stands up and preaches. And in one day, the church goes from 120 people to 3,120 people in a day. Wow. That must have been a pretty good message, right? Okay, so, so that takes place. A couple of days, like probably about a week or so later, um, the same guy, Peter, and another guy, John, walk past a, a gate called Beautiful, which is just outside of this temple. And a guy's lame. He gets healed. Yeah. He, he stands up. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this guy's been lame since he was born. So this is, this is miraculous. Yeah. And then the church on that day goes from 3,120 to 5,120. Yeah. Yeah. So this is pretty significant growth. Yeah. Would you agree? Like this is pretty amazing. Yeah. But they, the Bible actually says in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 42 and onwards, that um, they start just living the dream. Like they are enjoying company with one another. The Bible says that they open up their homes. They're doing like dinner parties all the time. They're loving one another. And man, how cool is that? Like how cool is that for a church community to look at something like that, to be this beautiful, inclusive community? Yeah. And it's happening. And a lot of people say, man, oh, let's have a Book of Acts church. And I'm like, whoa, just read this. keep reading the story. Keep reading it. And the Bible actually says that they're enjoying this church together, this community together, a couple of thousand people in Jerusalem. But then this word spreads that, hey, and this place called Antioch, it, that the gospel, the message of Jesus has reached there. And they're like, hold on a so sec, we haven't got anyone in Antioch. How did, how did that happen? But how many people know that the gospel of grace is unstoppable, right? Like you can't stop this thing. It um, spreads to Antioch. Yeah. And they said, let's send, let's send some guys out to check it out. So Paul goes up there. He checks it out. It's true. It's happening. There's a church there. A- and then we see the first time in the history of the church, what I like to call the struggle with inclusion. Right. The struggle. And this is where I want to kind of teach and lead us here in these moments that we have together, because we do have, I believe, right here, an amazing, inclusive, beautiful church community. But I'm here to tell you that if we are going to overcome anything, we have to overcome the struggle with inclusion, because there is a struggle. And we're going to struggle to include people that are nothing like us. And we're going to struggle to include those that, that have these different backgrounds and upbringings that are different to us. But yet what you must recognize is that you share good company because even the early church had the same struggle. They had the same. So let me unpackage this really quickly. Right. And, and so we jump into Galatians uh, chapter 2, verses 11. And this is where this kind of whole thing unravels. Paul... He starts to write in Galatians 2 verse 11, he says, But when Caiaphas, which is another way of saying Peter, came to Antioch. Oh, it's on the screen. This is cool. He says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, this is talking about the the mothership church, if you will, in Jerusalem. He said, before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to... Come on, let's say it all out loud. It's on the screen. Come on. Some people are afraid to yell out in church in case they yell out the wrong thing. You know, like, and they began to, Moses, like no one wants to be that joker, right? Who <laughs> yells out the wrong thing, but it's on the screen. You ready? So it says that he began to draw back. Draw back. Watch this next verse goes on to say, and actually separate himself. So he draws back. He, he becomes extremely exclusive again. And then from there, the Bible says that uh, he separated himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. That's a whole other message for another time. <laughs> but another translation actually says that it's the circumcision party. <laughs> and I'm like, imagine handing out invites to that puppy. <laughs> you know, Do you want to go to my circumcision party? <laughs> not, not really. Okay, so it goes on to say that basically the, um, the other Jews joined Peter in his hypocrisy now right there that word is maybe the reason why a lot of you haven't stepped foot in a church for a long time that word and to that i would say to you if you don't come to church because it's full of if you think the church is full of hypocrites um i have to agree with you it is absolutely um but if you don't want to hang out with hypocrites um then just don't go anywhere don't go to the gym guess what full of hypocrites don't go to the cafe next door. No, no, it's full of hypocrites. Why? Because it's full of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if anything, come on, we're here not to say, well, we're hypocrites. Let's just live like that. No, no, come on. We're all, this is a recovery group. Guess what? We're all recovering hypocrites, right? <laughs> come on. That, that's pretty, pretty true. Okay, so it goes on to say this, that they, they actually pulled back because of the hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray. Next verse goes on to say this. When I saw this, Peter, he's, as Paul actually says, when I saw this, that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all. Hey, you're actually a Jew. yet You live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force, next verse, Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful, uh, sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying here is, hey, if you think you can work your way into heaven, You got a big long road ahead of you. Because how many people are grateful that, come on, we don't live by works? Because, hey, if we live by works, how many people know our dog would get into heaven before us, right? So we can't, we need grace. But I'm going to stop there on the reading of this scripture and then let's unpackage this. And again, the title of my message to pique your curiosity is this Um, The Struggle with Inclusion. The Struggle with Inclusion. Let's pray and ask God to really help us uh, kind of understand how to overcome this in, in, in our lives today. So God, we thank you for everything you're doing in this church and through this church. And uh, God, today, this is a word that encourages us, Lord. And uh, thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so God, this is a message that will edify us and build us up. And I pray that by the end of it, Lord, we will radically just view and review how we live this life on your behalf. And Lord, help us today to actually apply this truth through your grace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So <clears throat> how, how many people here are married? How many married people? Come on, all the married people. Um, oh, awesome. How many single people? Put your hands up. Cool. Look around. There you go. Anyway, so, um, so I'm playing. But so, so, so I've been married. I'm married now 15 years, right? Okay. Love being married. It's the best. Now, when I got married, I fell in love with my wife because, man, she's, a, she's beautiful, absolutely. But, man, she's just inside and out. She's, her, her personality, it was just a package deal. I'm like, yes, let's, let's get married. This is it. And, and, and little did I know that when I got married, I didn't just marry a beautiful, intelligent woman. Um, I actually married into money. Now let me explain. Before you judge me for sounding like I'm a shallow person. But okay, so no, I didn't realize my, my in-laws are, are, just, are just well off. I didn't realize how well off they work. And my father-in-law's an electrician, and, 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 but he's just worked hard. And they're extremely generous people. And so when I got married, I'm like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize what I'm I married into. Like, woohoo! Okay, so, so I ended up, my in-laws, as soon as we got married, they said, hey, well, you guys are married now. Hey, well, we're going to start taking you on trips. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, what type of trips? To my, my father-in-law would say, well, actually, I'm going to take you on a two-week surfing trip to Fiji. I'm like, can I just pray about that for us? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so like, like, this is unbelievable. And so over the first few years of our marriage, my in-laws were constantly taking me and my wife, Alana, on, on trips. We would have kids yet, so it was like, man, let's go. So we went to Fiji, we went to the snow, like all expenses paid by my in-laws. Like, come on, how many people want those in-laws? Okay, so, right, so th- th- that was just, it was, it was a perk, it was a benefit. Okay, so, but my wife would always tell me, um, look, hey, 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 babe, like, w- when are your parents going to take us on a trip? I'm like, sweetheart, like, my, my, my parents are just waiting for the opportune time. They're going to do it. She's like, no, no, I'm pretty sure they're cheap. And I'm like, no, 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 they're not. They're just waiting. for no, that. she didn't say that. But, but uh, you know, the, my parents wouldn't come to the party. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, when are mum and dad going to take us on a trip? Like, my in-laws have. Like, they should come on. And so the, the, a couple of years go by in our marriage. And, and my mum calls me up. And she's like, hey, sweetheart, why, why don't you come over? Me and your father got something I want to tell you. I'm like, okay, mum. So we rock over to their house and we sit down. My mum's really excited. My dad's kind of excited. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? What's, what's, what's happening, mum? Mum's like, well, well, sweetheart, actually, um, we've got a surprise that we want to give you in Atlanta. I'm like, what is it? Well, what's going on? And she's like, well, actually, me and your father want to take you on a trip. And I'm thinking in my head like, yes, the moment's happened, like finally. But I set the bar pretty low. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like, woohoo! we're going to the magical place of Wollongong, right? So, <laughs> so like, I, kinda, I set it low, right? My mom says, well, actually, me and your father, we want to take you on a three-week, all-expenses-paid trip to Europe. I'm like, can I just pray about that? Shandamah, yes. Okay, so like, <laughs> unbelievable. So we get to the airport, and when we arrive at the airport, we go to check in on this trip. And, and, and the lady behind the counter, she, she starts typing in our names and our passports, typing in the computer. And then she looks up and she's like, I'm, I'm so sorry, there's, there's something wrong with your tickets. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean there's, there's something wrong with the ticket? She's like, just, just stay calm. And I'm like, that's the worst thing you could say to someone who's potentially irate. So she starts typing, <laughs> typing the computer. And then she looks up at me again. She's like, I'm so sorry, but your tickets are no longer available. I'm like, what do, what do you mean? Like we're supposed to be going to Europe. You know, like I get a little emotional and she's like, it's all right. Well, actually, um, because your tickets are no longer available, the ones that you'd booked, um, it looks like we're gonna have to bump you to first class. Hey, suffering. Okay, just pray for me, right? So, this is, can, can I is it, have you ever flown first class internationally? Can I tell you something right now? Um, if you cannot afford to maintain it after you've had it first the first time. Do, do not taste and see that it is good. I'm telling you right now, you do not want to go back to cattle class with the rest of the plebs, okay? You don't, you don't want that, no. Because once you've taken, man, it is unbelievable. Like we, we rock up to the front of the airplane with these first class tickets. I hand them to the lady. She looks at him. She's like, okay, sir, so just over to your left. I'm like, there's a left. <laughs> what do you what do you mean there's a left she's like here you go and she peels back this curtain I, I could swear as soon as she pulled it open it was like oh ah, like music came out and, and I, I walked through the curtain and I'm telling you right now as soon as I walked through like instantaneously I felt self-righteous straight away I'm like oh oh, oh. I remember looking back through the curtain like oh I wonder what the peasants are doing you know like I'm so I'm serious and I promise, I swear they built this, the whole first class thing off like the, the tabernacle and the Old Testament blueprint. Because there is a curtain and you walk into like the Holy of Holies and you have to wear a rope just in case you die They have to drag your unholy self out of there, you know what I mean? You, you, you walk in straight away and, and, and when I walk in, this lady just pops up out of nowhere, she's like, okay, Mr. Murray, can I help you to your seat? Takes me to my seat and she's like, okay, would you like to have your pajamas? I'm like, pajamas? What, what, what do you mean pajamas? She's like, yeah, we've got this, you know, complimentary pajamas. Are like, they Free? yeah, they're free pajamas. I'm like, oh my gosh. Now it is 12 midday on this flight. I look around, I'm like, I don't care what any of these other jokers are doing. i am put my Jimmy Jams on now. Okay. So I put, I put them on in, in first class. So here you are, I got this like something year old kid just walking around in Jimmy Jams, like <laughs> waving at all these businessmen. They're all on their computers typing away like, who is this joker? You know, like, and, and then you sit down the seat. The seat doesn't even just like recline. It goes, it goes flat. They make it into a bed for you. I'm, I'm still excited. This was years ago, right? They make it into a bed, like come and they tuck you in, give you a little kiss. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> we, I, I didn't wait. I tell you right now, I'm from Sydney to Europe, from like it had to go via, I think it was Kuala Lumpur or somewhere. We went all the way to Europe. I didn't sleep a wink. I'm telling you, I'm, I said, I'm not wasting first class sleeping. No, I just laid there just on my back, just enjoying all the food I could eat, watching movies. I'm like, this is the best. And then we arrive into Rome. When we get to Rome, we we actually, I'm a huge ancient history buff, as I mentioned this morning. And so we went on the church tour uh, to go around and see all these amazing churches in Rome. So when we get there, um, we actually go to uh, the Sistine Chapel. Uh, On that particular day of all the days, it's closed. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like we come all this way and it's closed. And I wasn't, I was a bit of a rookie and because I actually thought it was called, I, I thought it was called the 16th chapel. So I turned to my mum and dad, I'm like, don't worry, there are like 15 others. Okay, so and so they're like, no, no, shut up. So we, we walk around to the front of St. Peter's Basilica, which is the church in the Vatican, you know, where the Pope lives. So we walk up to the front, there is like um, cattle grates everywhere, but the place is a ghost town. And I thought, wow, that's that's, that's pretty interesting. I'm, I wonder if we could walk up and have a look inside of the church, St. Peter's Basilica. And so we walk all the way up to the doors of the church, and these big, huge timber doors, we push them open. We walk in, and to our surprise, we look around, and there's literally about four or 500 people seated in the pews facing the front of this cathedral. I'm like, wow, that must be something. on. that's pretty interesting. We don't have a seat, so we stand up the back. And we're like, I wonder what's happening. Out of nowhere, the Pope walks onto the stage. True story. I'm like, oh, my oh my gosh, this, that's that's the Pope. Like this is the. Po- I'm getting excited. My mum like goes next level. She pulls out her camcorder because this is like prior to iPhones. She pulls out the camcorder, starts filming the whole thing. But when my mum films, she also commentates her own filming. Right. <laughs> So she starts filming. She's like, "Okay, we're at the Vatican, and there's my son. There's my little boy." Okay, so and then over there, she starts. filming. She zooms in on the Pope. I can see her doing, and she starts commenting, "Oh, there's the Pope. Look at him. Is he so cute? And his little white hat. He's so cute, right there." She starts making mum jokes. She's like, "Oh my gosh, he must be pretty popular." <laughs> and I'm like, "Mom, come on!" Like you know, we watch the this service take place for about forty minutes or so. Once the service is finished, well, coming towards a close. We think, oh, maybe we, should, maybe we should sneak out just before it closes. We kind of just go up, get amongst the other tourist things we want to see. We walk out of the same doors that we walked in, the same exact doors. To our shock, when we open the door, we're kind of talking amongst each other, heads down. We look up, there is 10,000 plus people seated looking straight at the front door of the cathedral. Like we walk like this and like, oh my goodness. Like I'm looking around I'm like, oh, I got so caught up in the moment. I just start waving like the Pope. I'm like, God bless you, bless you, you know, <laughs> and an extra piece for you. over there. Okay, so like I'm like getting all like into the moment. This old Italian man runs up onto the stage. It was like a platform, stair platform, and reefs us off to the side. And he is irate, like irate. He is yelling us in broken English, how did you get in there? How did you get in there? I'm like, buddy, just take it easy. Man, we just walked up, went through the doors. He's like, no, no, how did you get in there? How did you get in there? And then he said these words that almost like reverberated in my soul. He said, how did you get in there? You don't belong in there. And, and, it, and it struck me. Because you've got to understand this. If you're, if you're new to church, my history is this, is that I'm not new to this. I've grown up in this. I'm a church kid. And that was the first time in my life I'd ever heard anybody say, hey, guess what? You don't belong in there. Right. Yeah. And I started to realize, my goodness, is that what it feels like? Yeah. Like, like if this, come on, this, this vehicle that God chose to include humanity? Right. Yeah. At what point did that message change? Yeah. That I don't, I don't b- belong in there? And I tell you, from there, I actually started to take a journey. I really did. Because I started to really search my soul and, and, and actually ask myself, am I being an advocate, a, a bastion, an ambassador yeah. of God's inclusive love for humanity? Is my life living that message to the people around me? Yeah. Not only is my life living it, but is the church that God is calling me to, to lead and pastor, is that living out this message? I've got to say something of this. Do you realize that your, your values are extremely important? How many people would agree but can I tell you, it's your actions that reflect your values. Yeah. So if you want to look at what anybody values, what you really need to look at is not what they say, yeah. but how they act. Yeah. Because if someone says to you, oh man, I really value family, but yet they don't spend any time with their kids, or with their, then they truly don't value. Why? Because your actions reflect your, your values. So again, perusing Scripture, I started to recognize, my goodness, the reason why Jesus was so active in what He did, not just in what He said, is because His actions reflected what He valued. Isn't it interesting that the religious type of Jesus' day were always questioning Jesus' actions? Where he was making it very clear, no, no, my actions are reflecting what I value. That's why he was amongst the down and outers. Come on, that's why he was around the tax collectors and the sinners. Why? Because his actions reflected his values. So I started to look at this and and through Scripture and go, okay, well, what? Like I think everyone in this room, I think a lot of us here would agree with this and go, yeah, man, we, we, we need to keep on including others and we need to keep on embracing the world around us. That's why God put this church here, right? To, amen, right? To reach this area. So I think a lot of us agree with the principle of it, but it's at that point, like, how do I make my actions line up with this value of this church? Like, if the value of this church is to see more people come to Christ and more people included in the forgiveness and the plan and the purposes of God, then our actions need to reflect that value. But here's what I found... <laughs> It's really hard. It's hard. And, and I, I read scripture and I see that, my goodness, even if you follow Jesus closely for a long period of time, you too will also experience the struggle with inclusion. Yeah. Well, how do you know that? It's Peter. Yeah. Peter's one of Jesus' closest disciples. Yeah. They're like really close. Yeah. And even Peter reached a point in his journey of faith where he also became exclusive again and it's at that point we need to look at Peter's life and go, man, how do we avoid this so that we don't end up in the same place? Because this message, come on, is a message of inclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. That how many people would agree with this? Come on, we have been loved to show love. Yeah. And we have been included to include. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, do we, how do we overcome this? How do we, how do we overcome the struggle with inclusion? So, so number one, here's what God said to take me on a personal journey. And I want to take you on this in, in these few moments that we have left. Number one, we have to recognize... How religious we still are. What? Like, you gotta understand how religious you still are. I am still religious at certain parts of my life. And you go, well, isn't this a religious organization, James? Of course I am. Now, what I'm talking about religion is that religion, in my definition, is man still trying to qualify himself. Grace is God qualifying man, religion is man trying to qualify himself. But there's still part of me that's still trying to, trying to, trying to qualify myself. And so it, the, way, the best way that I'm still religious or still act religious is that I do exactly what I know I shouldn't do, which is I measure my life against other people's. And it makes me exclusive. Because I look at people's story and I look at their journey and I'm going, it's nothing like my journey. It's nothing like my story. And I literally, I withdraw myself from them because I'm measuring myself against them. Do you know what the Ministry of, Re- of Reconciliation actually says? It says that... We, we actually are now ambassadors of the inclusive love of God. Yeah. But not only that, we no longer count men, men's sins against them. What, why is that so profound? Because what? What you can count, you can measure. And what you can measure, you can judge. So that's why Paul says, hey, we stopped counting a long time ago. We've got to get rid of this religious thing inside of us that's always measuring our lives against other people because what it will do is it will create a divide amongst us. It will create exclusivity. It will cause us to separate ourselves from one another. Yeah, right. Oh, James, I'm not, I'm not religious. I take offense to that. Because, because I go to this beautiful church. It's not a religious church. It's got lights and it's dark and it's moody and it's beautiful. I'm like, this is not religious. No, religion is that type of church. You know, the church where the, the guy's swinging the handbag on fire, you know, it, like that's religion. But, but no, pl- pl- please, that, that's not religion at all. Religion's not a style of church. Religion's a state of the heart. So if you want to make it about religion, it's got nothing to do with the external things that make a church religious or unreligious. Like, can I tell you, it's about the state of my heart that makes me religious. Right. It's motion without meaning. It's me just going through the motion, still trying to think that I qualify myself. But I got to understand, hey, I'm, I still have that part in me still. And I need to keep submitting that to God. God, forgive me for, for, for treating them differently because their life looks different to mine. Because I don't measure anymore and I'm so grateful, God, that you don't count my sins against me anymore. So that's number one. But number two, um, if we want to overcome the struggle with inclusion, we've got to understand there's still a little bit that religious kickback in us. But the second thing is that you've got to actually recognize that this is actually going to be a struggle. You've got to embrace the struggle of inclusion. Recognize the discomfort of inclusion. Right. we pray stupid prayers sometimes. We really do. And I wonder if we actually mean it. Because we say stuff like, God, would you help us reach a city? Like, everyone reach this. And then the city start coming in and we're like, oh, but not those people. That's too hard. Can I tell you, as soon as you put someone in the too hard basket, you put God's grace in the insufficient basket. So you got to understand that this is going to be uncomfortable. And I say this to my church all the time and I'm sometimes the worst PR person for my own church because I tell them, hey church, I pray that you will be comfortable in your soul but I pray you're never comfortable in your seat because church isn't about that. I pray that we are yep. sitting next to people that had it not been for the church, come on, we never would have sat with before yeah. because man, the, the beautiful grace and message of God has brought us together. Yeah. And can I tell you, sometimes it's gonna be uncomfortable because those people are nothing like you. But how good is it to know that in the beautiful the unity of the church, there is such rich diversity. Wow. You see this take place in the book of Acts, sorry, in, in the book of Galatians. Why? Because as these people sat around the table that Peter actually pulled away from, he said there was Gentiles there around that table. And what, what, if you read into the actual context of this story, every week they would have this thing called the Agape Feast, which basically meant the Love Feast, which is kind of a pretty cool name, but I, I thought about using it in my church, like, hey, do you want to come to the Love Feast? But I thought, it sounds like a cult. But anyway, so I didn't do it. But but, but basically, this agape feast was where everybody, all walks of life, people who said, man, I, I believe now in Jesus and he is my Lord and Savior. They all got together and sat around tables and ate together every week. Right. It was called the agape feast. So you can imagine back in this ancient context, there's people sitting across the table from one another who this person is literally still a slave and this person is free. This person used to worship Baal, like a whole nother god, a whole other belief system, but now has come to Christ. Is now sitting across from a person who used to follow the Torah and Jewish custom, but now they're all together at one table. Right. But can you imagine it? It would have been uncomfortable. And I want to say this to us, church: that hey, when the church becomes uncomfortable, I believe it reminds us that we're on the same track. We're on the right track. Yeah. Because it's not about like-minded people all getting together. No, we all have different journeys and different walks, but we've been united here together, not because of our goodness, but because of His goodness. And come on, because of that goodness, we'll sit with one another and do life with one another, even sometimes when it becomes uncomfortable. I had a guy come to our church, only a couple of months in, he walked past the sign and it said, welcome on the front. And he thought, well, mate, I'll go in. It says, Welcome. So he walks into the church and, hey, man, what's your name? He starts telling us his story. I said, what, what, what's your story, man? Where are you from? I was the third person he met. And he said, oh, actually, I just got out of prison. I said, really? That's nice, isn't it? You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was in prison once. and am like, by prison, I mean detention at school. But, you know, he's like, yeah, and no, I actually just got out. And, uh, okay, okay. I like, started asking him his story. And he kept on coming to church over and over again. But little did we know, his history, his background, he was relapsing back and forth into an ice addiction. And as a church, what I loved watching was a community rally around this man who a lot of people had nothing in common with, didn't have a similar history to, none of them did, but rallied around this guy. And I remember six months into his journey, him getting water baptized, come on, being completely set free of that addiction. But what was so beautiful for me, it was a reminder of what if we didn't embrace the discomfort of that moment? Yeah where would he be now? Where would you be now? Yeah. You see, we've got to recognize it's uncomfortable, but it's all part of that journey. Yeah. Number three, moving quickly, not only do we need to recognize that still some religious stuff in me and there's going to be some uncomfortable moments. Number three, this really helps us become a beautiful, inclusive community because number three, we've got to, we've got to recognize mutual brokenness. Like mutual brokenness. Like, like, We are very good at putting out, like we've all got it together, but how many people would agree there's still some broken pieces in our lives that God's still journeying through with us? But it's at that point we need to recognize, hey, that is actually a moment that unites us and brings us together. Doesn't separate us. Because just because your brokenness looks different to mine and God's dealing with this in my life and He's dealing with that in your life, hey, we're still broken people on a journey to being whole and healed in God. But that actually gives me great compassion. Because even again, like even though my brokenness looks different, I can still relate because I still have some things that God's journeying with me in my life, and might look different, but but it actually is a beautiful reminder that we're all got that, that sign on the front of our lives that I'm just a work in progress too. Hey, you got grace for me; I got grace for you because we're all we're all just getting put back together by the Lord. Yeah. Amen. There's, a, there's an art form that came out a long long time ago I'll chuck this picture up on the screen and it's actually called Kitsukuri and the reason why this particular art form was so fascinating is because what they did is if I can read the, the basically the, the description of it Kitsukuri is to repair with gold the art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken like this broken piece that most people would have discarded. Somewhere along the way, someone said, hey, we, we, can, we can fix that. Let's just not fix it with anything. Let's fix it with gold. And I remember looking at this going, well, if that's not one of the most perfect depictions of the Christian journey, I don't know what is. were all got mutual brokenness, but guess what? God's putting us back together. And through our broken humanity, God is revealing His amazing divinity. But that actually puts us all on the same playing field, doesn't it? Like, I'm a little broken, you're a little broken. Hey, but we're all being repaired by the Lord. The last point is I land this plane. See, if we're going to overcome the discomfort, the struggle with inclusion, then then the last point is that from here on, we have to put all our trust in Jesus. Like all of it. Because it is going to be a struggle. And, and here's what I found: is that I'll sit in a room and hear a message like this, and I'll be like, "Yes, come on, let's do it, let's go." But then a week later, I'll be like, "Yeah, it's a bit hard. It's a bit, it's, it's a bit difficult." Like I really want to, and everything within me, it wants to. It's like, man, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is, is weak. And so, so really, what I need every day, and this is actually the, the beautiful crescendo of the gospel is that everything requires Christ. Everything, especially this. Like I need to recognise I cannot do this on my own strength and I need something bigger than myself. And if we're going to be that church community who really overcomes those struggles, that we need actually need the key ingredient, which is Jesus Himself. That's why Paul the Apostle again writes to the Galatian churches. They say, you know what? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Like, as if we were saying to Peter, hey, Pete, like, I get it. I get it. It's hard. And, 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 and I'm not expecting you to be a perfect person, Pete, but the key to living this gospel message out is actually just dying to you. Because everything within you wants to rage against this. Everything within you wants to be exclusive. Everything within you wants to judge people. Everything within you wants to separate yourself. Everything within us wants to in our, in our own human tendencies, but that's why we need Jesus. We need to die to ourselves so that He can live through us. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.